So a little bit of a different way to start things off here in the fast lane. By a little bit, you're used to us on Friday. Fast five at five-ish and votes of confidence. But we'll go a smidge longer because we will eventually, yes, connect with WSET's Dave Walls on high school hoops. He was there for the thriller between Glass and Heritage, both of them, last week, boys and girls games. Last night, over at our spot for the Liberty Flames. Go home, the Bel Air! Also known as LA, Liberty Arena. And then Brookville football, naming their new head coach. But there are other topics to address, including that game to start things off in the Fast Five at Five-ish. It's time for the Fast Five at Five-ish. Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. Liberty getting the victory last night against FIU. Do not let the final margin of nine fool you in the sense that this was a blowout game all the way. For chunks of the second half, Liberty had a double-digit lead. So yes, I guess in that traditional sense, you could file it under that classification. But you know, for Liberty, here's the bigger part of that 78-69 win against FIU. It did go over the total, which you know we thought that it might go under and Liberty controlling the pace of the game. But it, it felt like Liberty was in control. And, and here's what I mean on that. Liberty made 27 field goals. 96% of those were assisted field goals. 26 of the 27 field goals Liberty made last night were assisted. So the reason for bringing that stat, and yes, on the Fast 5 at 5-ish, we're not going to add more music with the end of the weed soundbite. But the reason for bringing that up is even though the point total was high, it felt like Liberty was able to get control of the game early. And even though FIU, even in the latter part of the first half, was within striking distance, Liberty was able to maintain enough distance because while when they scored, FIU would answer and trim it to a four to five point margin, and then Liberty would push it back to 10-11, Liberty was able to control the flow of the game. It's just that shots were falling and it was a rather effective offensive evening. And, And I get that when you bring up something like that, that sounds a little cheesy, but I mean, this is a night where... I mean, on the on the evening, Liberty, and they're a good defensive team, FIU made 47% of their shots. But to Liberty's credit, he, here's the difference. They made 46%, so they were about even. Liberty gets to the free throw line more frequently, and we've talked all season about how Richie McKay has been adamant that his team has had good looks from three-point range, that it's just been a matter of the shots actually falling. And even this, after the loss to Louisiana Tech, is again what Richie McKay had to say about the idea of shot selection and what was their third consecutive loss at the time. Every season, and sometimes you're you're not gonna you're not gonna make the shots you take even when they're open ones or good looks. And uh, I I think for us, we we just keep imploring our guys to take the right one, make the good decision, uh, be unselfish because that's uh, that's certainly uh, in our DNA. Um, And we still miss some open ones tonight, but we did a better job of getting to the rim and finishing there. Just couldn't overcome the the size disadvantage, and I mean they had 40 points in the paint and 21 made free throws. Uh, that's a lot to overcome. That's Richie McKay, Liberty Flames head men's basketball coach, and he said that after the loss to Louisiana Tech on Sunday, that was not after the win last night by nine over FIU. But we we use and invoke that sound effect here in the fast lane for for more the simple fact that 
Liberty has continued to get good shots, and now they turn that into actual production by shooting almost 50% from three-point range. 48.5% if you want to get real technical about it. But for Liberty, it's the idea of shots, 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 getting quality ones, and then eventually they fall into Liberty's credit. Last night was an example of that. Number four. Speaking of adversity, it's a little different because the Liberty Flames are still one and three in Conference USA play, but last night was the first evidence that there is some adversity the Virginia Tech Lady Hokies are going to have to address over the course of this season. Um, One of those being they lost at Duke for the second time. The other is teams are getting more physical with Virginia Tech. And Liz Kitley, I mean, she's been fantastic. And even though she's only missed one game this year, she's played physical. Kind of wonder whether that's starting to settle in just a little bit for Virginia Tech. It didn't seem like it was the most physical game for her last night. Virginia Tech actually had a lead after the first quarter and at halftime. But then Duke really rolled over Virginia Tech over the final stretch of that game. In fact, uh, really, they outscored Virginia Tech 52-28 to over the last three quarters of the game. So, Virginia Tech, they didn't have a lot going for them offensively, not to mention the fact that Duke was also physical with Georgia Amor. She got that, obviously, that kick to the face, and there wasn't much playing time she saw afterwards. Um, and we'll, we'll figure more out about that over the next handful of games. But, I mean, look, Duke's still a really good team with Carol Lawson. This is not their best team in Duke history. They're not a top 25 team, but they're still... A solid program but for Virginia Tech it's the type of game you felt like you should have won last night and they've now lost two in a row they've both been on the road they will get more tests away from Castle Coliseum and they do have other victories in their pocket to which they can bank on being able to be a good team but you know it does right now when you lose those type of games jeopardize your status of being a higher seed a top 16 team in the final standings which of course means you're a one through four seed in the NCAA women's basketball tournament and a host and that is a big difference as Virginia Tech saw a couple of years ago when they had to go on the road to Maryland and ended up losing in that series to Florida Gulf Coast uh for Virginia Tech the value of having a home court advantage especially with what we've seen with Castle Coliseum that's another evidence but right now this is a patch of adversity for the Lady Hokies meanwhile the Virginia Lady Cavaliers they lost at home to Notre Dame yes it's another ranked team in the ACC but you know again we're seeing the gap right now and I think Virginia even as a healthy squad they're seeing the gap between where they are as a team uh, at at full health and where the rest of the ACC is and trying to figure out how to elevate it. Uh, You know, it it hasn't gotten easier. It does not get any easier. More on that in our votes of confidence in a moment. But for the Virginia Tech Lady Cavaliers, or the Virginia Lady Cavaliers, that was the disappointing part for them losing that game last night. Number three. Antonio Pierce. All reports are, including the notable NFL reporters like Adam Schefter of ESPN and... Ian Rappaport of NFL Network that the Raiders and Pierce are finalizing details to remove the interim tag and make him the permanent head coach of the Raiders. So I am not always a believer in giving in to what players want within a locker room. But the Raiders were 4-3 and three down the stretch. Josh McDaniels did not seem like the type of coach that inspired them to play as hard as his interim predecessor, Rich Bisaccia, or the next interim coach, who's now the permanent head coach, Antonio Pierce. In this day and age where so much is emphasized on player input, relating to players in the locker room, I do think there's value. Now, I don't know enough about Antonio Pierce 
other than that he, he can scheme things up defensively but he's going to need to make the right hire offensively and he, his name has been tied as well to cliff kingsbury who has been rumored to go to the Chicago Bears and potentially reunite with Caleb Williams, who would be the first pick in the NFL draft when April's draft rolls around. But that's the thing to monitor right now with the Raiders is, can they build on this? They had momentum at the end of the year with Antonio Pierce, but can they build on that by bringing in the right offensive coordinator to complement that and make them a team that can be successful beyond that number two sad news out of the world of media the arena group which now operates sports illustrated gave notice today that it intends to lay off the remaining staff of sports illustrated according to multiple reports multiple reports that are out there and no real rebuttal including the fact that there are now emails that have circulated uh which was a general layoff email from the arena group um, it's sad as a kid who grew up where subscribing to Sports Illustrated was the thing to do. It was that and ESPN, the magazine were really the two only sports publications. I know I'm dating myself back when print was the in vogue method as opposed to now where, you know, it's either a, a cute little magazine that sits on somebody's, uh, you know, waiting room table or it's something that people just read online that it's always been trending in this direction. But it, it is still sad for those of us who grew up on Sports Illustrated being something that meant a lot. And therefore, um, it was inevitable, I would say, especially when the reports started circulating that Sports Illustrated articles were being incorporated with artificial intelligence, and it kind of got busted based on the lower quality. And again, I I do believe in some use of artificial intelligence. We've used it in certain capacities here to enhance our job at the Virginia Talk Radio Network and plenty of other media industries have. But there's also a real legitimate human element that goes into putting together a viable product. And that is something that you have to be able to add, excuse me for the middle school voice crack right there. But it does hearken me back to middle school when there was the human element of Sports Illustrated being something that you were excited to get and you felt like that because a lot of the contributors that were there. And I get it, you have to find a way to make all of those, in the immortal words of Kenny Powers, dollar, dollar bills, to actually be able to supplement the salaries of all the great talent. And that is a... Thing that everybody in the media landscape, the Virginia Talk Radio Network included, are always trying to navigate. And number one on the Fast Five at Five-ish. One of the things that cracks me up is this, I don't know if I call it war, but seemingly this feud between the NBA and particularly its defendants who want the NBA to so badly be viewed in the same sphere as football in the NFL. Um... That ain't happening, and it's not happening anytime soon. In part because the NBA's regular season is 82 games, and the term load management, which means players resting games to take days off, and that is even incorporated in certain spots in the playoffs, it by default devalues the product to a certain extent. There's a little bit of that in the NFL, but not nearly to the degree of the NBA. And the NBA had Christmas, but the NFL said, wait a second, late regular season games with playoff implications where teams actually care about it could trump it, and the ratings back that up. Look no further than the fact that on Thanksgiving or on Christmas Day, the Giants-Eagles game drew 29 million viewers. The Ravens-49ers game, 27 million viewers, whereas the highest-rated NBA game that day was one-fifth of that. Actually, a little bit less than that. Celtics-Lakers, which drew 5 million. Um, Here we go again. MLK Day is another example of the NBA. And I get it. A lot of folks are big into the NBA. I I, I admire to a certain extent 
some of their progressivism, but also think some of it gets lost in the fact that it's more of a business decision than the ulterior motive of caring about that. But MLK Day has often been the NBA's day, much like Christmas was. Uh, what's the NFL stand for? Not for long. Well, it also, the not for long part can extend over to MLK Day equaling NBA Day because Steelers Bills, 31.1 million viewers and Eagles Bucks got 18.7 million viewers. Again, you're looking at good NBA games getting 5 to 6 million viewers and the lowest rated NFL game is getting three times that. The top rated NFL game is getting five to six times that. It tells you all you need to know that the NFL is probably going to go in that direction. Look, I was as skeptical as anybody when our show was displaced on Monday in the fast lane about what was actually going to transpire when the NFL had a playoff game taking place and starting at 4.30 p.m. And granted, it's a holiday for a lot, but still, it's a weekday afternoon, which is traditionally not known as a TV time slot, and yet it generates 31.1 million, million viewers. Tells you all you need to know about the power of the NFL and how it is going to continue to grow going forward. And there is your Fast Five at five Speaking of power, do it's you physically... Whoops. Speaking of power, I clearly don't have enough power over the clicker. But do you need more power yourself? Mental power, physical power, spiritual and emotional power. The fitness and health plan can be a big part of that. And the way to get that, of course, is by visiting InsaneRadioDeals.com. Crosswide Athletic Club three-month membership is a great way to get acquainted and figure out if it's the environment that you want for fitness. And why wouldn't it be when they have a pool, tennis courts, they've got weightlifting facilities and plenty of great equipment if cardio is more of your thing. And yes, the option to join in with different classes and sign up for those at Crosswide Athletic Club plus the health bar. All great assets and you can get access to it at a much better deal than you would normally find thanks to InsaneRadioDeals.com and yes, Go get some of these Fleet Feet Rowing Up gift cards, and you can use those at fleetfeet.com. So shop now and make sure you have the power physically, spiritually, and emotionally to be the best version of yourself. Now, a proper use of the clicker continues with our votes of confidence. Nothing provides the intended inspiration quite like a vote of confidence. The confidence I think that the team has. You know, winning makes you feel good, makes you confident. Now, here's our votes of confidence, inspiring you with the certainty you're seeking. The NFL playoffs, and a friendly reminder, we carry the entire NFL playoffs right here on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app and across the Virginia Talk Radio Network. That happens tomorrow, but not before 11.30 a.m., is the airtime to get us started with college basketball. All the men's teams in the area are in action this coming Saturday, including South Carolina Upstate at Radford. No line on that, but Radford needing a bounce back after the loss to Gardner-Webb at home this past Wednesday. That's a 1.30 airtime on the VTR and Roanoke app. But at 11.30 a.m. tomorrow on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app, Virginia Tech at NC State, three and a half state-favored Virginia Tech, over-under of 146. I'm going with NC State, Ty, because, again, Virginia Tech winning on the road has been a challenge, and NC State, they've played well. I understand why the line is a little bit lower, and you may be questioning it. Stayed off the emotional comeback victory against Wake Forest, but they also had that game on Tuesday, so there's been a little bit of time to decompress and reset. 
I do expect a lot of offense. State is clearly a run team. We saw them against Virginia. We saw they sailed over the total in that game against Wake Forest where both of them went uh, over the 75-point mark. Uh, I expect a similar flow in Virginia Tech and NC State square off on Saturday. I agree with you on that. I'm picking NC State over on that one. Other college basketball games this weekend. We don't have anything on Sam Houston State at Liberty. I would expect Sam Houston State to be a slight favorite, but you know, again, this is where I kind of lean Liberty. The shots fell on Thursday night over at our spot, Liberty Arena, or as it's more well-known to us, LA is known as. I think Liberty actually gets the job done against the team that's at the top of Conference USA. This is where you start to see the old phrase, regression to the mean, coming in. So I do lean Liberty at home against Sam Houston State. And I'm going with the road team, which is a 6 o'clock airtime. Virginia, 6 o'clock tip, excuse me, Virginia against Georgia Tech. I get it. Wahoos are only favored by one. Georgia Tech is one game above 500 at 9 and 8. But we've rehashed this so often in the fast lane. The Virginia Cavaliers are not a good road team. And I'm going to go with Georgia Tech begrudgingly, Ty. They're not a great team, and they're coming off a big road win against Clemson. But I will just stick to the same theory. Truthfully, if you're betting it, you probably should take Virginia. I think you're getting a devalued product. I have a tough time going with it, but uh, let me let me clarify here. I would take Virginia on the money line as opposed to minus one because the value is probably better in case it is a one-point win. I do think it goes under. I think Virginia does control the flow of this game. I don't think Georgia Tech is supremely equipped to change that, even though they went way over against Clemson. I think Virginia can control the flow of this game, and I do like them to finally pull out a victory on the road. And it won't say a ton, but at least say they can somehow win away from JPJ. You took the words out of my mouth. I was going to pick Virginia as well, what you said and everything, so I'm definitely picking Virginia. I feel like they're going to pull it off this Saturday, so I have a lot of confidence in Virginia right now. Meanwhile, Sunday, women's basketball action from the Atlantic Coast Conference, which, of course, is really where we are shifting our focus right now. Virginia Tech, they host Clemson. Virginia is at Florida State. I mean, I know it's going to be relatively chalky, but I'll take Virginia Tech in a bounce-back spot against Clemson, uh, which is not one of the better teams in the ACC. And Virginia Tech in need of getting back on the schneid, or back off the schneid. I think this is your classic 20-25 to 25 point win, at least, for the Lady Hokies. Meanwhile, for Virginia, the road gets tougher. They're at the same Florida State team that beat Virginia last week, or beat Virginia Tech last week in women's basketball. I actually think Virginia can keep this close, but once again, uh, they haven't won a conference game, the Lady Wahoos, and I think they're learning the hard way just how challenging it is to elevate to that style of play in ACC basketball. Meanwhile, more on the ACC hoops, particularly men's hoops. 545 today, Joel Berry II, ACC Network Analyst and former North Carolina Tar Heel great, slated to join us. But, continuing with our votes of confidence, Ty, NFL playoffs, that begins tomorrow as we previewed yesterday with Mike Mayock, NFL Network Analyst, Fast Lane Ed Lane, where you listen to podcasts. Texans at the Ravens, nine and a half points is the spread. Precipitation, snow in particular, expected for this matchup, a high of 26 degrees. Um, I don't have a confident feel on the over-under in this. I'll lean the under, but I like Baltimore to cover at nine and a half. I know it's a big number, but this is the biggest advantage spot if you think about it. The best team gets to have a bye week to rest and recuperate against a team that played a physical game the week before. And yes, the Texans smoked Cleveland, but Baltimore at full health, they are a different beast. I think this is also the type of spot where Lamar Jackson will will Baltimore to a victory and wants to get off the schneid of playoff collapses. I like the Ravens quite a bit in this. I'll pick the Ravens, but I think 
I'm gonna pick under because the Texas defense is really is pretty good. They had like an outstanding performance against the um, Browns, getting two pick sixes against uh, the Browns offense. So I think it's gonna be a good. It's gonna be a tough game. I think the Ravens gonna start off slow a little bit, but. I still got them winning, but I think the Texans' defense will give uh, Lamar Jackson problems. So Ty is going under 43.5 along with me, but he disagrees. I've got Baltimore to cover 9.5. Ty, on the other hand, likes Houston to keep it within a score or so in this contest. The second game tomorrow night, 8-15 kickoff. Packers at the 49ers. Rinse, wash, repeat. Home team, San Francisco, a 9.5 point favored. And rinse, wash, repeat my analysis to an extent. I think San Francisco wins and is in control of this game the entire way. But I do believe the back door is open. Green Bay's offense has played well enough in this particular spot. I'll take nine and a half with San Francisco, but I am leery of that. If only because Green Bay can score, and I think this could be a two-score game with Green Bay getting a score laid. If you're making me pick because of the flow of the game, I'm going the Niners to cover. I'm not as confident in that. I think their points are plenty, even with rain projected for this matchup. Both teams can also run the ball and use the short passing game to nullify the effects of rain. It's going to be 60 degrees in Santa Clara, so I don't think that's as big of a deal. That's why I will take the Niners, but I am much more confident that this goes over 50 and a half points. I agree with you on that. Plus, you got to think about it. The 49ers are a better run team than the Packers, and the Packers' defense don't be – they they sometimes be in, in and out, but I'm going to pick the Packers. I said Packers. I'm going to pick the 49ers over in this game. I feel like it's going to be a good – it's going to probably be a three-score, four-score game. Sunday, 2.30 airtime, 3 o'clock kickoff from Detroit. Who is favored by 6.5 over Tampa Bay, over under of 50. I think the Lions control this game. I I like the Lions to win. I think we're getting closer to the apocalyptic Super Bowl of Lions versus Bills. And at that point, you know the rapture is on its way because uh, I don't know if God can even handle the world uh, as mighty as he is. And I'm a pretty religious guy. uh, But... I, I kind of wonder if, like, they'll get to the Super Bowl and then that's when the rapture happens and then God's like, dude, you should have known this was happening because it's Lions, Bills, in the Super Bowl, neither of whom has won and they've both been star for it. Jokes on that aside, though, Ty, I like the Lions to win in this. Six and a half is a little bit rich for me. If you make me pick that, I'm going the Buccaneers to cover. I do think the Lions win, but I think it's a closer game and I also like the under of 50 and a half points. Um, The Lions can score, yes, but I think they want to control this game as much as anything with the ground and short passing game. And we've seen they'll be physical and aggressive, but also willing to bleed the clock. I ain't gonna lie, this is this is a tough pick right here. Like I love the Bucks. They play they've been playing good and everything. Even the Lions. This I I think I'm gonna go with the Tampa Bay Bucks because Todd Bowles defense, he know he loves to blitz a lot too. He'll, he'll go call some props with Jared Goff. So I'm going to go with the Bucks part under on this one. Chiefs, Bills. Here's the thread the needle of them all. I think the Bills win this game, but at three, it's perfectly set up to say that I think it's a three-point game either way. And so if it's a three-point game either way, I'll take the underdog with three because Kansas City wins by three, you win. And if Buffalo wins by three, you tie. Whereas if you take Buffalo minus three, then if Buffalo wins by three, you push and get your money back. But if Buffalo wins by less or Kansas City, if Kansas City covers that, you win. So if I'm making sense, Kansas City plus three means there's a chance if it lands on three either way, it's one win, no losses, and one tie. If it's Buffalo winning by three, which I think is very reasonable as well, and I think ultimately that's kind of where you're going because I think Buffalo wins, then Buffalo 
it's either you're not going to win, but you either lose your money or it's a push if it's by three. So that's why I'm going Kansas City plus three. I do think Buffalo wins and finally breaks that curse. And the over under 45 and a half, I've been riding it the entire way. Kansas City Chiefs games go under because they are a defense team and Patrick Mahomes controls the offense in a different way with the lack of playmakers. And Buffalo, with their injuries defensively as well, I think they're okay with that type of flow. So I'm really confident in the under 45 and a half. Now, I'll say this though. If Josh Allen don't turn over the ball, the bu- the Buffalo win. The Buffalo Bills will win. If he does turn over the ball, if because he, he's known for turning over the ball, if he does, the Kansas City Chiefs will win. I think Josh Allen will play better and he go he go protect the ball better. So I think I got them winning by three as well. I agree with you on that, on well, that one. Well, at least I outlined the monetary part of it and the uh, numerical value. But you know, I mean, I think you hit the kind of the nail on the head. If it's good, Josh Allen versus bad, so much hinges on that. So much of our local sports coverage hinges on what David Dave Walls, not David Walls, Dave Walls of WSET wants to share with us. So we'll find out about that next here in the fast lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.